Hello and welcome to the Taylor's Tales podcast. This is Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and I'm back this week with a brand new podcast. This week I'm speaking about the granddaddy, the monster, the best console of all time, the PlayStation 2. This console was created and released back in the year 2000, March of 2000, by the Sony Group, and it is a brilliant console that is held up to this day. I feel like it needs a dedication to the brilliance behind those who created the console, and how much of a, a childhood it created for myself and many of my friends, and I imagine you, the listener, have some sort of tie, whether it be maybe a brother who, you know, you watched them play the video game or played with them or the, all of those things, or a sister or anyone who's had some sort of tie to the PlayStation 2 and felt this great sense of nostalgia and positive vibes that come from this fantastic console. I'm breaking this this sort of podcast down into uh, a few chunks of some of the best games that have come from this console, the multiplayer that's come along where you literally had to be in person. There's also the fact that the PlayStation 2 lasted all the way up until from 2000 to around, I want to say, 2007, 2008, eight years, which for a console nowadays is just not possible, especially with how many different consoles that are being released so quickly. Um, We've had the Xbox One, the PS5, the Nintendo Switch, the Wii, all of these consoles came within the last 10 to 15 years, and it was one after another, just bang, 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 bang. So, With the PS2, it was king for such a long time that I feel that, you know, it cannot be compared to any other console because of how much of an impact it had. So, my PlayStation, (laughs) I got mine in the year, I want to say 2003-2004, around that time I was 7 or 8 years old, and it... I had the thick, the thick boy originally, the thick PlayStation, the original PlayStation, uh, which you could, you may find that it played really well with silver discs. So for those those of you out there who know what I'm talking about, with the PlayStation 2, you had two different types of disc. You had the bronze disc, which was the original disc, and then you would have the silver disc, which was then later released, um, I want to say, 2005-ish, 2006-ish, and the the silver discs would play fantastically um, on either the PlayStation 2 normal, original, or the PlayStation 2 slim, which I would later get in around 2006, uh, after my original broke. Uh, And the the bronze, or sort of purple discs, as uh, I remember them, would make a huge noise <laughs> uh, after a while of playing them for enough time. And if you didn't clean those discs well enough, well, you were going to be having some trouble later on. Who remembers having to get the memory cards? And if they were dusty, you'd, you'd blow on them to get them to work again or be recognized within the PlayStation 2. I, I sure do. So starting off with, you know, the fact that the PlayStation 2's design, you had the original Thick Boy, as I remember it, and the Slimline. The Slimline would later just become the most reliable out of the two, where it just would continuously play for years to come. I I never had any problems with the Slim. I remember my dad having to repair the original PlayStation multiple times uh, throughout my childhood, 
Uh, for me, it felt like a lifetime. Obviously, as a kid, time it goes really slowly in comparison to as an adult now. And so it's this really interesting concept of that the PlayStation original for me, although it felt like I had it for such a long time, it probably was only for a couple of years, two to three years, where it was working properly and not making a huge amount of noise. I say a huge amount in comparison to the Xbox 360, it was making nothing noise because I remember the Xbox 360 making huge, like the disk drive would just burn up like crazy. Uh, burn up like me right now. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, I, th I think that the, the PlayStation 2's original designs were fantastic and moving to the slim made a lot more sense. And the fact that you have external memory cards uh, I still think is such a, a cool concept and it's kind of sad that even though you've got a sleeker design in the PS5 and the PS4 and the Xbox One and the new Xbox series, uh, it, it's, you know, it doesn't have that physical sort of put in the memory card or remove it or buy a new memory card or buy some external, I mean you can buy external hard drives for, for the Xboxes and stuff like that but it's not the same is it, let's be honest. You, you used to have something like a 15 megabyte uh, sort of memory card that would literally contain all of your game saves and they would you'd be able to fit so many game saves and I was talking to one of my friends about this the, the, earlier today that one of the games on the Xbox One the Warzone game takes up to a hundred gigabytes of data just think about that for a second a hundred gigabytes of data and I don't think I've got many a game that I played on PS2 that took me a lot more time to get bored of than with Warzone, which you play a couple of games, you're like, well, what next? Play the exact same thing over and over again? Or I can go play so many different multiplayer games with my friends in person, or I can play a solo game on PS2 where it's gonna take me ages to complete. Obviously, as you get older, the games become easier because obviously you're growing up, and when you're a kid, a lot of those things aren't as easy. But nonetheless, I still think that there's some things you can't ever replace uh, as you grow up. And I'm thinking to myself now, the whole, the whole sort of disc era of the PS2 made the selling and buying of games cheaper as well. I remember going to a, a game store called Virtual Games in Reading and... I remember being able to buy so many games for like 10 quid. You used to be able to buy like five or six pre-owned games and you'd be able to go in, buy those five games, go out and then, and you'd also be able to resell the games that you'd already played. Personally, I never did that because I loved having, the book. The games I bought were games that I'd keep for a very long time. A lot of them I still have to this day. Uh, not in their original casings, a couple of them, a couple of the discs I've just kept. Uh, and there's for for instance there's so many games that i'm going to mention throughout this that may sort of becomes sort of like a little snag in your head where you're like oh i remember that i remember that and let's let's talk about the opening sound of the ps2 like that i play it now like that beautiful beautiful sound is something that you'll never be able to I don't think if I hear the Xbox or if I hear the any uh, the PS5 or any of these, it doesn't have that same ring to it as the PS2's original sort of intro to the console. It doesn't have that vibe. 
maybe because everyone wants things faster they want to be able to get into the console as quickly as possible it's it's not as memorable and there's not that sort of relationship between the intro and, and that nostalgia and maybe because of the stat and nostalgia it makes it better but i remember as a kid i never minded the ps2 intro and i never minded that that beginning sound and going to the memory card space selecting the game or going immediately into the game if it was already started so there's there, there's those little things that you'll always relate to in terms of setting up the console plugging the, the controller in you know, if you had, we'll talk about like the multiplayer and the sense that you could have four people playing on the console at the same time, and you'd have the you'd have like a, a splitter, for instance. You'd be able to split the amount of people being able to play the game. You'd be able to have the two player. Um, you'd have split screen, for instance, as well. One of my favorite multiplayer games was James Bond Nightfire, where you would have four different players playing at the same time on the one screen. You'd have to tell your mates not to look at your screen because that would be called screen cheating. I remember so many people. Like I was, I was adamant never that you should never cheat in these games because it just showed lack of skill when it came down to playing. And I remember playing as not odd, not odd job. There was the, I think it was the Baron. That was it, the Baron. Uh, I played as the Baron on, on James Bond Nightfire. I loved it because he had the skull face and he had the cool. Uh, sort of gun and he yeah fantastic character some of my friends played as odd job played as the man with the golden gun um, played as james bond himself like there were so many different characters in this game it's such big maps that you'd be able to get lost in the maps you'd be able to just continuous amounts of fun and i think you had to get to something like i think it was still 30 kills similar to call of duty in the sense that you get to that whoever won would get to that kill first or you'd have unlimited uh, amounts of kills and it would just be a time very similar in that sense and the sort of structure of a game where you'd have these maps I, I don't think it's it's not as good with the whole multiplayer online thing because there's not that camaraderie you can still have fun playing online I, I'm not going to knock that because I still get the easiness of being able to play anywhere in the world and, and play with anyone in the world and I remember the first sort of intro to that later on but yes, James Modern Nightfire multiplayer. Ah yes, I've forgotten to say this. My first ever game. My first ever game was Crash Bandicoot and the Wrath of Cortex. For those who don't know, Crash Bandicoot and the Wrath of Cortex was uh, later on in the series of the Crash Bandicoot games. It wasn't. Uh, it was. I think it was the fourth entry in the series. But it will forever be my favorite Crash Bandicoot because it had a fun bad guy you had two villains you had cortex who was the sort of mad scientist and he was against crash and then you'd have this guy called crunch who was like a copy of crash uh who had like bulging muscles and had a metal arm and would use force to be able to to fight crash and it even had four more bad guys within it and you'd have these four masks that you had to defeat at one stage at a time. So the game was split up into this. You'd have to defeat five different levels and then defeat one of the masks as Crunch wore it. Wore it sorry. And you do the five levels and you get crystals for each of the five levels. And once you've got all five crystals, you'd be able to hit the center um, 
sort of stage and be able to go fight Crunch. And you'd have to do all five, and then you finally fought the bad guy. I, I know this is spoilers, but if you just play the game now, it's so much fun still. Like, each level, the graphics still great. I, th I think for a PS2 game, the fact that the graphics is, are still hitting that level, even today, after... I don't even know when... I think that was released, like, 2002. Uh, and so it's still holding up, still playable, still fun to play. Fantastic solo game. And the characters you could play, not just as Crash, but Crash's sister. And Crash's sister had a scooter, and she'd do different kicks. And you'd have um, Aku Aku, who was the mask that you had, you could be able to wear, and he'd give you an extra life if you wore him, and you were able to find him in the boxes. The whole process of you going through a level, getting as many apples as you could, as your, like, sort of collectible, and then you get an extra life every time you get 100 apples. It's a fantastic sort of concept of going through and getting as many boxes as you could to be able to get an extra crystal at the end of the level. It's just so much fun. And I would play this with different people. And I remember going to different people's houses to play the game. And you'd take it in turn. So if you died, you pass the controller to your friend and they'd give it a go. And if they died, and vice versa, you just keep doing it until you got to the end of the level. So I felt this, even though these solo games, you still had this ability to just switch it out and just, just play it. I don't think uh, as you grow up, these sort of things become more important to you because they they make lasting friendships later on because you remember these things and Crash Bandicoot will always be the first game that I ever played and I think it's the first game I ever like played period on my own console so I, I did have a Game Boy Yellow before that I think so I played Pokemon but it, this was the first like console game console that, I'll, that I ever owned uh, and yeah, made a lasting impression. I can tell you that those those games. I still love playing Crash. Play Crash on the Xbox One. It's, yeah, it's it's good. It's got all three of the first the one, two, and three games, but it's not as good as Crash Bandicoot and Wrath of Cortex. That will that will always be there. So Crash, yeah, oh yeah, the Dragon level. If the, if you guys know uh, Crash Bandicoot and the Wrath of Cortex, within the first sector of the game, there's this Dragon level within a wizard's castle. I will always remember that as one of the funnest, well-designed levels by any creator. And believe it or not, this podcast name is inspired by the guys who created Crash Bandicoot and the Wrath of Cortex. So Crash Bandicoot and the Wrath of Cortex was created by Traveller's Tales. Taylor's Tales, Traveller's Tales, exactly. That company no longer exists, sadly. It's no longer there. Um, but it will forever be one of my favourite companies to have seen them create these this fantastic prob product and i remember the sigil for the traveler's tales company it was uh, one of the characters from crash bandicoot animated within it so yeah a little, little bit of a story behind that so that's where the the name of my podcast comes from traveler's tales from uh crash bandicoot and the wrath of cortex taylor's tales youtube channel and podcast so yeah for those who are interested if not no worries just fun fact going oh yeah going to people's houses to play the game is just like an early 2000s memory we're going to be one day i'm going to be talking about this with my kids or with future generations they could be like what are you talking about like playing multiplayer online is so much better than playing in person and yeah maybe they'll have that thing and it's, it's different isn't it we all have our little things that we will hold on to 
and I remember my dad talking about playing in arcades and playing that physical like in 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 the arcade playing the the game with the joystick and everything so I can still relate to that because I still think that's super cool like the 80s brought gaming to a new level so there's like a level of respect there but I don't see that same level between the PS2 the Xbox 360 and so on and so forth with with different consoles so it does make me think that there may be a, a little bit of a barrier later on in life but who knows we'll fi- we'll find out yeah screen cheating I talked about that ah the best multiplayer games were Gauntlets of Dark Legends James Bond Night Nightfire SSX Tricky and Tekken Tag Tournament so let's start with Gauntlets of Dark Legends that game was so much fun. I was introduced to this by Alex Young, one of my best mates. Early on, we used to go around his house and play this game regularly with friends. You'd have these um, different characters and you'd fight orcs and you'd conquer dungeons and you would go through and it's multiplayer. So you had like three different characters all on the same screen and you would have to navigate the dungeons and destroy different um, areas to be able to, to level up your character. And you had swords and you had elves and dwarfs and all this fantasy i always remember it and i've looked at graphics later on yeah it's not as good graphics but it's a fantastic concept uh, for young kids to to play and it's just fun it's just a lot of fun similar to a lot of fun ssx tricky ssx and ssx tricky that created one of the best soundtrack you know utilized one of the best soundtracks of all time uh with you know one of those fantastic songs to be having in the background uh, uh, the beastie boys playing uh, as you start the game and it also has some of the best characters i remember like you could push people off their boards you'd be able to get insane airtime, be able to do massive tricks and you'd be racing i mean me and my dad used to i used to bond with my dad by um, playing SSX Tricky with him. We'd play different characters, we'd level them up in our own time, and then when we came together to play multiplayer, we'd show each other our leveled up characters and do like new, more insane tricks that we'd learned to do on our own. Uh, and it was so much fun. And it's the same with Tech and Tag. I used to play that with my sister, my dad, my friends, and I remember characters. I mean, the same in SSX, the characters within these games had their own personality tracing, and if you as a kid resembled with that character you'd play him for instance in my case i used to play like brock and like uh simon who was the crazy one who used to like snap his board in half and like has a chain and everything like that and had spiky hair and i as a kid i thought he was hilarious uh and he could do all sorts of tricks and then my dad's favorite character was eddie who was like this like african um just british guy who had like as sort of like the most British accent you'd ever think of. He's like, what's up, mate? Yeah, let's do this. And it's just so funny just hearing it now because it's just so put on. His whole character, like, you know, they had the United United Kingdom flag on it and had all these things and it was hilarious in how he just like had this no-nonsense attitude. And my dad leveled him up and I leveled up Simon and a couple of other characters as well. And then with Tech and Tag, you'd also had the same thing. I loved playing as uh, the Devil, who was this guy who you could transform from a normal guy into the Devil. And my dad would play as, I think it was uh, Jack, <laughs> this guy called. He was like half sort of robot, half um, 
sort of man, a cyborg sort of thing, and he used to do this insane punch that would be like a, a quadruple punch with his me metal arms that would just go into the other character and just blow you off the end of the screen, and you'd just get this massive, like, smash out of it. And Tekken Tag had, like, this whole... If you played solo, you had, like, the ability to go through different character stories. So each character, if you did the ten levels, you'd have a different story ending, which the, in the depth that they these developers went into to get to that point is incredible incredible because you don't see that nowadays i remember playing the the newer games some of the newer games that are just that like you can complete in no time uh and it, it's it's just kind of like where's the effort i mean i get it like development development is a very toxic environment in the sense that you know the the timeline is short, the overtime is maxed out, and the amount of work done is insane. So I do appreciate that. But I think that the PS2 had so much creativity and so much more um, games that had this expand on story and maxed out on creativity. So, yes, there's that. And then there's also, yeah, these games just create in, in brilliant memories. And fantastic times growing up so many good memories so talking about multi we talked about multiplayer games and the whole vibe that the ps2 gave and, and the connections that you have with people because of these fantastic experiences you have growing up with with these epic games like devil may cry for instance a lot of people played that game growing up that played through the series i know that i've got friends who play that game and I've, I've i didn't play the game until later on in life so i don't have that emotional connection as i i did back uh as, as i did when i was like 17 but it, i still appreciate it i still appreciate the the design the insane create the, the insane depth into the sort of character building behind dante and his huge sword like just the design on him and his red coat and going through the the dungeons and fighting the huge monsters it reminded me a little bit of how um altered beast was created in the sense that you transform and you do you'd fight insane gross monsters where you'd get level up and each level you'd get stronger you would do different sort of beasts you'd, you'd fight different monsters and that whole system uh, felt like it could go on forever and you loved it because there was different cutscenes, different uh, character arcs going on at the same time and yeah you could make the game whatever you wanted it to be basically but for me the main game growing up and this is no surprise for to people who know me is kingdom hearts the Kingdom Hearts franchise began in 2001 and was released and I remember playing it around a friend's house and just immediately loving it. I loved the concept of it, I loved how you could go from world to world and you could meet new Disney characters and fight Heartless and fight nobodies and you'd be able to fight alongside Donald and Goofy and you were trying to find Kingdom Hearts and find your friends and a lot of the, the game is based around friendship and fighting for your friends and defeating the darkness within you as a person as well as the heartless that were physical embodiments of darkness the game is all about you know for those who don't know kingdom hearts is about uh, a guy called sora who's based on an, an island who him and his friends try to get off the island and go see new worlds what happens is that they do end up getting off the world not in the way they, they thought in the first place 
and the characters go off world and they get split up and it's all about how Sora becomes a Keyblade master and goes through each world looking for his friends and meeting new people and the adventures he goes on throughout these different worlds. It just so happens that each of these worlds are either Final Fantasy worlds or Disney worlds. So you had like Tarzan, you had Aladdin, you had um, Nightmare Before Christmas with Jack Skellington, you had all of these, uh, you even had Pinocchio in there as well. And going into the, the belly of the beast and fighting within the giant whale and there's so many more fantastic worlds that they they used within Kingdom Hearts. And I remember watching Honest Trailers one time when they, they, they mucked about and they took the mech out of Kingdom Hearts and how complicated it can be. But I think if you put it down to the simplistic stuff, the, the fantastic gameplay where you were you could guard, you could attack, you would have this smooth transition between fight and you you knew exactly how to, to fight the Heartless using magic, using your Keyblade, using um, sort of like defense moves as well and being able to dodge and roll and uh, oh, just an all-round fantastic com combat system in general, which I, f I feel to this day is kind of it influenced how certain games. I mean, I look at Dark Souls. I mean, Kingdom Hearts and Dark Souls are nothing alike in in many in, in very little concept. But I do see the similarities in the combat system in the sense that Dark Souls, you you dodge, you strike multiple times, you have these massive monsters that you fight in levels, and the health bar is in the top left hand corner, and it takes time to be able to get that health bar down. And that it's very difficult to to defeat the main character, and that you have to level up to to get to a certain point before you can face these monsters. When I was younger, I used to try and defeat the entire game uh, and get Sora up to level fifty. Now that I'm older, like now that I'm twenty five, I'm like, no, I have to get Sora up to level one hundred before I complete the game. And you have to do all these little things. And I think as a kid. You just play through because you love the cutscenes and you love the story behind Kingdom Hearts and the fantastic characters that you meet and the whole shenanigans that goes on in the back background and how Sora goes from world to world and meets his friends and has to seal keyholes to be able to complete missions. And if you haven't played it, I thoroughly recommend it. I think Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, just stick with that. Just play those two games. They are on Xbox One at the moment. They are also on PS2. They are also uh, they're backwards compatible on PS3. Any basically any console that's out nowadays, Kingdom Hearts One and Two are definitely out there. So definitely recommend them. If you haven't played them, go play them. They're fantastic games, and I feel like I could do an entire podcast based off Kingdom Hearts alone. And I think there'd be many there'd be many people who say, Chris, please don't do that. But nonetheless, Kingdom Hearts, fantastic. Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King can't not mention that game a game and there's also lord of the rings the two towers but i think the the lord of the rings the return of the king had a lot more characters it was multiplayer it was had multiple levels it got when you got to the end of the game you could change into different characters and do the entire game again based using different characters you unlocked there was the ability to use uh, legolas as a legolas archer gimli using his axe and aragorn using his sword and the ability to have strengths in certain areas and be gandalf and have huge battles and destroy loads of orcs and urukai uh, and just an all-round fantastically designed game that had 
the sort of foundations of Lord of the Rings built into it. And just brilliant for friends who love the Lord of the Rings franchise. So if you ever watch the film and then want something to play afterwards, I, I thoroughly recommend that game. Star Wars Battlefront 2. How can I not mention it? All of you who are out there saying, Chris, why haven't you talked about Star Wars Battlefront 2? Yeah, here it is. Star Wars Battlefront 2 is probably the best multiplayer game of all time. Many of you are stunned by that. I imagine you're saying, Chris, that's just not true. I say otherwise. I say Star Wars Battlefront 2, the original game, it, it should live on for eons. It should be remastered and it should be kept in a vault somewhere for future generations of other planets to come and play it because it is so good. It is perfect. It had a brilliant storyline where you play as the um, Anakin Skywalker's uh, orders. I think it's like Unit 66. I think it's... Am I, am I wrong in that? I think I am. I can't remember the, the unit that it is, but I just remember the voice in, we were in Fallujah. It was in this time that we realized, we relied upon the the Jedi master who kept us from dying. And I just remember the, the, the guy from New Zealand who did uh, Boba Fett and Django, sorry, Django Fett's uh, acting. He was, his voice is in the game and it's so good. And he's playing this, just a fantastic role throughout it whether you go from world to world completing conquests as the clones against the droid army and by the end of it you end up doing executing order 66 and it's just a fantastic storyline heartbreaking storyline but it's probably the best storyline that's ever, that's been created for a shooter game i would say there's very few that can compete with it and the multiplayer alone deserves a, just like a lifetime worth of praising because you could play split screen with multiple friends you'd be able to play in space you'd be able to play in different planets you'd be able to play as um, everyone could be a jedi character and fight each other as jedi and be able to jump huge lengths of the map and be able to fight for unlimited amounts of time i remember playing in mos eisley as jedi all the time playing as darth maul and thinking this is awesome and it will forever be the Moss Eisley Cantina song in the background. Play it. And it's just the... That song just goes in my mind whenever I'm thinking of the Jedi fighting Sith on Moss Eisley. Fantastic scene. And you can play on the Death Star and play as Jedi once you've killed enough of the other team. Fantastic shooting system. And even the space... Uh, sort of conquest where you could be able to go into other people's bases, blow them up from the inside and then win the game that way. Or you could shoot them from the outside, but everyone went inside and blew up the ships, let's be honest. So Star Wars Battlefront 2 is just a complete game that I have nothing bad to say about because there is nothing bad to say about that game. It has everything that you could want out of a game when it comes down to first-person shooters. So Star Wars Battlefront 2, the best. Simpsons Hit and Run, this is just more of a fun one. I love that game. I remember playing it and thinking, this is just for maniacs who want to, to, to crash crash cars, go into different parts of the Simpsons and do adventures and races and go into stores and nick stuff. And like, like I said in the title, Hit and Run is definitely, you could get chased by police for crashing cars. You get into like races with other characters. You'd unlock other characters. You'd unlock um, character 
clothing and you'd be able to do missions that related to the Simpsons in real life. I think it was released uh, in the early 2000s again, 2001, 2002 time. And it's just one of those games that I always think of as a diamond, a real diamond that they didn't need to make, but they made it and it's just won everyone over. And it had such depth. You could play as Marge, Homer, um, you could play as Lisa and Bar, and they'd all have their own different missions in different parts of the town that related to um, their per character. So, for, for instance, with Bar, he'd go into the city centre to be able to try and get the latest uh, comic books or the latest um, juice. I think it was like um, brain freeze uh, juice that the, he used to get in the actual TV show. And then Homer would go to work and try and get to work on time and get donuts and stuff like that on the way. So it's just completely different characteristics and different parts of the game that, that were brilliant. And I remember trying to get the rocket car to fly off the giant sort of monorail within the city center of, of and just getting the biggest jump you could possibly get. So yeah, Simpsons Sit and Run. Oh, there are so many more games out there, but this one's a little bit. This is this is relating to the original FIFA days, where you would be able to play this game as a character. You'd create your own character, and you'd get into different teams, and you'd level up, and you'd create the best team possible. It's FIFA Street. FIFA Street was my favorite FIFA game. It's better than any FIFA that they've ever come up with since, because in itself, you could play with your friends, you could play solo and create your own teams and level up and play in different areas. You could create your own character and then level him up and he'd have different shots and different skills. And it had all the original footballers like Ronaldinho and David Beckham and Roberto Carlos. And um, even I don't even know if Ronaldo's on there at the moment. Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm not sure. I think it had the original Ronaldo, but it didn't have all that because it was made so early on. But it was just uh, one of those games that, again, they didn't have to make, but they made it, and it was brilliant. And I think when they made FIFA Street 2 and 3, it went a little bit downhill. But the original FIFA Street, you the soundtrack again, I, I've got to be able to find you guys a, a quick clip of it now, the quick um, of some of the sounds that we've been playing. So I'm going to play them in the background now. It's so much fun when you think of these sounds and they, they click in your mind again where you're playing the game and you make a sick shot and you do an overhead kick and you do the, oh my god, and the guy in the background who's narrating the game, doing the commentary, is just brilliant as well. Like, no way, mate, that was insane. When you've just done like a, a Rabona that hits the net and and these tiny goals that are only five aside, and you have like Giovanni, Gianluigi, oh my goodness, I'm not gonna be able to say it. I'm just gonna say Buffon, Buffon and goal, and then just gets nutmegged, and you're like, wow, just brilliant stuff. And they do the replay, 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 and it would like wind backwards, and you'd see the goal again, slow motion. It's just so good, and you'd have to score the best goal. Uh, to be able to get the best um, sort of reaction from your friends and you'd be able to skill past people and leave them in the dirt and then you'd also be able to do these crunching tackles to be able to get them off the ball. Oh, just all round killer, killer game that I think should be remembered. There's plenty of other games, by the way, out there that I've not mentioned 
And if you have one of those games, you're like, well, why the hell haven't you mentioned that? Please do send me a message, ping me a message, comment, whatever you want to do, and tell me, like, Chris, you forget, failed to mention this. It's great, whatever you want. I think that the PS2 games, those those main ones are the ones that I think of, and some of the things that we did with the PS2, with the sound and the, the playing on the the plasma screen TVs and the 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 knock on the screen TVs where you could feel the actual static coming off the TV, and plugging in the yellow, green, and white cable to be able to get the sound visuals and all these things, the whole setup, the whole process of getting the ps2 to its, its its prime it's hard to replicate and it's hard to ever think there was anything ever you know better that they could do and i'm truly hoping because i haven't played on the ps5 or played on the newest xbox series i'm really hoping that they're going to push the boundaries and continue to progress and you know hope gaming can move forward and and still create some of that reminiscence of the old days with the ps2 uh, but I think forever it will be known as the best console of all time. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's the best That's the best way to end it, the PS2 being the best of all time. This has been a Taylor's Tales podcast. This has been Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. And as always, I'll see you next week. Bye now.